Courtney Cronin, David Dennis Jr., Frank Isola, Bill Barnwell. Today, the Eagles flex and squish the fish. Ravens roll the Lions. This was a stunner. And the two greatest words in sports, Game 7 tonight. Let's go. Game 7 tonight. That was Taylor Swift. No, French, French. Push push. Push push, yeah, that would apply maybe from the Eagles. <laughs> Opening day, season's over. Philly 31, Miami 17. And the Eagles controlled it throughout. A.J. Brown is on a heater. Philly's defense eating Dolphin last night. And yes, tushies were pushy. Bill Bardwell around the horn to you. Did you learn more about Philadelphia or Miami last night? I learned more about Miami last night, and it's that they can be beat in the oldest of old school ways. They can be beat up on the line of scrimmage. Of course, everyone saw the Eagles spam the tush push, but I was more impressed by what they did on the defensive side of the ball. The one thing the Dolphins have done this year to grow even more dominant on offense is they've been running the football very effectively. This game, the Eagles took them out of that early, a season-low 45 yards on the ground. They were one-dimensional for the entirety of this contest, and the Eagles feasted on a line, missing three starters. Up so there. you learned that Miami needs to go back and rework something or just have a better start to a game? What, what did you learn specifically? They need to get off to a better start because if you take that running game out of the equation, we see the Dolphins offense we saw at the end of last season as opposed to the one that was so dominant early in 2022 and early in 2020. Frank Isola, what would you learn last night? Yeah, first of all, I love those uniforms. They pay homage to Harold Carmichael, Mike Quick, Wilbur Montgomery, yeah. you young kids, especially you, Bill Barnwell. Go look up those names. Defensively, they held the Dolphins to 250 yards under their season average, 20 points under their season average. So defensively, they're getting it done. They're an arrogant, cocky group. That's the city. That's the head coach of that mm. team. And mm. Jalen Hurts hasn't been great but they keep winning. I'm a little worried about the 10 takeaways. He had a pick six, essentially right. had one last week as well. I think he's going to get better. Once he plays a little bit better, this could be an unstoppable team in the when NFC. When you say they're arrogant and cocky, are you getting to Nick Sirianni after the game saying, stop doubting the Eagles like anyone who was actually doubting the Eagles? Well, <laughs> well, after the game, during the game, but they go for it all the time on fourth down. Kansas City yeah. did that to a, to a lot of success as well. I think – it, the team feeds off of that head coach, absolutely. David Dennis Jr., did you learn more about Miami or Philadelphia last night? I learned more about Philadelphia because the problems that Miami had last night were pretty similar to ones they've had throughout the year. When their offense and defensive lines get dominated, they don't win. They, the two games they've lost, they gave up seven sacks uh, combined as a result. As uh, you know, we just heard, they had half of their season average in yards. But what was most impressive to me about Philadelphia and what they did is they tightened the screws when that game got close. It was tied at 17, and Philadelphia went on to go on 14-0 run, 156 yards to 50 yards, and they forced a turnover. They dominated on both lines of scrimmage, whether it was getting pressure on tour or whether it was the tush push or the fanny crammy or whatever they're doing. They dominated the lines, and that got them through the game. Courtney Cronin, learn more about the Dolphins or Eagles last night. 
I learned that having a number one receiver like A.J. Brown covers up a lot of issues if you have him offensively like the Philadelphia Eagles had. Jalen Hurts, two giveaways last night. We haven't seen the Devontae Smith game just yet, but that's no problem when you play off coverage on a receiver who has 10 catches for 137 yards and a touchdown every time they got into a jam. And whether that was the pick six that Jalen Hurts had twice, Miami's able to go down, score, tie up the game, and then Philly's able to come thundering back. And on that second turnover from Jalen Hurts, it's none other than A.J. Brown fighting through two Miami defenders for a hard-fought catch, like high-pointing that ball at the catch point, 14-yard touchdown. That's impressive stuff for a team that has really struggled to score in the red zone. Four touchdowns on five trips inside the 20. A lot of that's covered up by having a great receiver. Bill, I want to go back to you on the Dolphins. So, So much was made going into the game. This is a referendum on on their, on their season. They've beaten up on weaker teams, and this is the second game against a, an opponent that really considers themselves a contender. And for it to play out like that, does that tell you anything about Miami? Absolutely. I think they're a team that front runs, and they are very good at front running. They're such a great offense when it comes to accelerating, when it comes to playing fast, when it comes to throwing and running the ball against teams who are desperate to get a stop. But they have not played well against adversity. They came back against the Ravens last year, but that has been few and far between for them. So we do want to see them beat great teams, but they might beat enough bad teams to make it to the postseason anyway. Frank, do you see a team that struggles with beating winning teams here? I, I think Bill is right. I think defensively they're going to get better. And the key is, you know, you look at that division, which isn't great. They should finish first, and that changes a lot. Getting home games, maybe you can get uh, two home games. So I'm, I'm not that concerned about them. But Tua, the big thing for me also, can Tua stay healthy? Hasn't been able to do that. David Dennis Jr. What's just as concerning as them losing to these good teams is how they talk about it afterwards. After they got smacked by the Bills, they said this was good for us and we needed this. They lost last night, said it's supposed to hurt. You know what what actually makes us better? Win the games. They're going to lose in the Super Bowl and say we needed that for morale reasons. (laughs) No, actually go ahead and win. We'll move on. Ravens 38, Lions 6. This was a game of the week that turned into a non-game. Baltimore out in front quickly and never taking the foot off the gas. It was 28-0 at half. Mark Jackson, an enormous game. Courtney, what happened here, and does it affect how you view the Ravens or the Lions even? Well, Lions knew they were going to be in for a very long game from that opening drive. The Ravens used five different personnel groupings, so that is really putting a defense that's top seven in EPA per play to the test. So we learn a lot about how multiple they are, but it's that second touchdown, Lamar Jackson to Nelson Aguilar, where we don't see the Lamar Jackson of old, the guy who waits you know, two seconds and is willing to escape the pocket and go make something with his legs. He hung in there. He beat them with his arm on that drive and he beat them with his arm to go up 28 to 0. This is a Lamar Jackson evolution. We learned a lot about what this passing game can become. He targeted nine different pass catchers yesterday. No one had more than 80 yards, but he's able to spread the ball around to a group of skill players that frankly he just hasn't had at any point of his career. So it's a big step ahead for this uh, Ravens offense against a better defense. So you call that a Lamar Jackson evolution. Does anybody know how long he had the ball in his hand before he threw that pass to Aguilar for a touchdown. Anyone have the stopwatch? 9.8. Nine seconds. Yes, Nine yes. That's right, Frank. And Bill. David Dennis Jr., uh, what did you learn in this game? About Detroit or about Lamar Jackson in Baltimore? 
This is about Lamar Jackson reasserting his MVP dominance and letting you know that he is him. That Detroit Lions defense got demolished by one guy. Even when they put pressure on him, he was 8 for 11, 246 yards when he was under pressure. At uh, passes of more than 10 yards, it was a perfect passer rating. Lamar Jackson dominated this team. And then on defensive end, this team leads the league in sacks. This, this was their coming out party. And I'm going to borrow from Kevin Clark here since he's not here and do this. The Baltimore Ravens are the best team in the AFC. And you know what? I'm going to be moving right on Sunday because they play the Cardinals. Don't do this. They play the Cardinals. What can go wrong, baby? (laughs) Frank Isola, uh, we spent weeks talking about how Detroit is a team you can fear, a team you can trust, a team you can believe in. This was the first time we didn't see them this season look like that. Yeah, and and it's going to happen. Let's remember one thing as well. There's one great team right now in the NFL, and they're in Kansas City until, um, until proven otherwise. If you look at the Baltimore Ravens, and I heard this from a little birdie up in Boston talking about their defense, and it's so true. You have, when they won Super Bowls with Trent Dilfer and Joe Flacco, good quarterbacks, nothing great. If Lamar Jackson is going to throw like that and be that efficient and not turn the ball over, they'll be that much tougher to beat. Let's remember, they got in the red zone against Tennessee, five field goals. What did they do yesterday? He's throwing three touchdown passes. He's running for another. Much more efficient. It's about being sharp, cutting down the turnovers, and that team will be a tough one to knock That's out. three panelists, understandably, in love with Baltimore. Bill, can you at least start with the Lions and what we saw and what happened to this team? We saw them put in the position they don't want to play from, which is playing from behind. Jared Goff's better as a play-action quarterback. I mentioned this last week on this very program while Kevin Clark was hyping up the Lions for some Ooh. inexplicable Ooh. reason. David Dennis is out here well, it's not trying inexplicable. to, to, to they, they, they had one loss, good, and that was only in overtime. Okay. Yeah. You, you, know, you know what happens when Kevin Clark hypes up teams on this show. <laughs> they fall into disastrous fashion immediately afterwards. But I, I'm going to give credit to the Ravens defense in this game, which shut down Jared Goff, shut down that Lions offense. This is a defense that is number one in the NFL in points per possession allowed. It's been more consistent this year than this Ravens offense, which we've seen had games where they fumble the ball away, where they're sloppy, where they drop a ton of passes. This Ravens defense is allowing zero 0.1 0.1 yards per dropback when they get pressure on the opposing quarterback. They're erasing offenses just like they erased Jared Goff and this Lions offense on Sunday. Courtney Cronin, back to you. On that stat that Bill Barnwell just gave, 0.1 yards when pressuring the quarterback? How is that even possible? I don't know. I mean, that is, that's certainly one that you'd keep an eye on. But I've got an even better stat for you here when we oh, talk about We'll be the, the judge of that. Ravens Please, yes. Stat off. <laughs> When we talk about the Ravens' offense, you know, what we mentioned earlier, the evolution we're seeing in this passing game, let's not forget they're still a pretty effective running team, and they're not just putting it all on the shoulders of one player, which we've seen in previous years, Lamar Jackson being that guy. They've had four different players be the leader in playing time percentage in games. That's Gus Edwards yesterday, and that's the reason they've been able to be so balanced, and that's the reason I'll pull a Kevin Clark here. I think that this is a team that's showing you it's capable of playing for a Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, real quick, was that stat better? That they had four different yeah, running backs than Bill's stat? That they've allowed point one yards for play? Nah, All right, they're taking a break right here. Buy or sell on the other side. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. 
Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guarantee Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Welcome back to Around the Horn, brought to you by Chase. Coming to you from the Seaport District at Pier 17. What's past is prologue. Everything that went down this weekend for the Rangers and Astros, and it was a lot. The heat in the series is equatorial. It all sets up tonight's Game 7. Winner takes all and goes to the World Series. Those are the stakes. Frank, how do you think the momentum swings affect tonight? Who would you rather be starting, Scherzer or Javier? Who would you rather be managing here, Bochi or Baker? And how will this game be won? Tell you what, these last two games have been terrific. The one thing about Max Scherzer, four of his last five postseason starts has not gotten out of the fifth inning, but I think it was smart to pitch him in game three. Bruce Bochy's a smart guy, knowing there would be a chance for game five. Can he give them five innings like he did in the World Series a few years back when he did pitch five innings, only gave up two runs? That's what I'm hoping for if I'm Bill Barnwell. I don't think the starters matter here. I'm buying that the bullpen is going to decide this game, and that leans towards the Astros. This is a game seven. This is a game where it's all hands on deck, the first sign of danger. Everyone's coming out of the pen, and the Rangers' bullpen is their weakness. 24th in bullpen ERA during the regular season, third worst during the postseason. Nobody in the bullpen has given up more homers than the Rangers. So Astros may not be with Brian Abreu, but I think they have a much deeper bullpen than the Rangers. I'm buying the team that has history and the playoff experience on their side in this moment. We know that Max Scherzer pitched that Game 7 of the World Series for the Nats in 2019 against this Astros team. And I know he is not at full health right now, but you need four innings. I'll go one fewer than Frank because they're bullpen right now, whether it's Jordan Montgomery, John Gray, Dane Dunning, even Jose LeClerc, who they were able to pull earlier last night because they go on that late game rally. They've got the arms and they also have a manager who's been in this situation. Okay, wait, you I lost me there. So you team. said you're going with the team that has history. The Astros have the history, right? Christian Javier has the history, right? Did he pitch a no-hitter in the World Series? If you, if you want to completely ignore all of Max Scherzer's postseason history, then that's fine. That's not the direction that I'm going here. I know that that 2019 right. no decision, uh, he had a pretty good outing against some of the batters that he's going to end up facing tonight. David Dennis Jr., I want uh, Javier over Scherzer. 0.71 batting average against for Javier in, in his first four postseason games. That's the lowest 
ever. Meanwhile, Scherzer has had more earned runs against than innings pitched in his last two postseason games. Uh, he was demolished in Game Three. You're going into Houston. You can't believe I can't believe that you're going to have road uh, teams win every single game in this series. Something has to give it. That's I'm another thing that we're talking about. So Bochi is undefeated in winner go home games as a manager. Yeah. The road team has won every single game, in, which has only happened once before, which is a series we talked about a few minutes ago. Uh, Frank Isola, who you got tonight? I have the Texas Rangers winning. By the way, the Astros had a losing record during the regular season at home. Bill Barnwell. Going Astros. Courtney Cronin. Give me the team I chose in the ALDS. I'm going with the Rangers. David Dennis Jr. Astros. Patriots 29, Bills 25. A week seven shocker. Bill, you're a Bill. What do you buy? What do you sell? I buy that the Bills are a broken team right now. The defense made Mac Jones look like Maserati Mac yesterday. <laughs> and, 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 and this offense is one-dimensional. Olaf season, they had to have a solution for the two high looks that the Chiefs faced the year before. They go out, they draft Dalton Kincaid, they bring in power running backs, they still can't run the ball, and they're still utterly dependent on Stephon Diggs as their primary option. Belichick took Diggs away, they spent most of the game struggling on offense. By the time they figured out a solution, it was too little, too late. Brian Gaisola? I thought Bill was going to call the Pats quarterback the Mac Daddy. This, to me, is about the Bills' defense. <laughs> Say what you want about Buffalo's offense. They did give them the lead in the fourth quarter under two minutes to go. Your defense against Mac Jones, you got to get a stop right there. David Dennis Jr. This is about the Bills finding ways to lose. Last, you know, a couple weeks ago, their offense looked terrible. Now their defense, to Bills' point, they gave up 29 points to a New England Patriots team who hasn't scored 21 all season. Mac Jones in the fourth quarter, 11 for 13 and 127 yards, an 83% completion rate throughout the game. He looked like Tom Brady out there, and that is on that Bills' defense. Cody Cronin. I'm buying that it took the Patriots long enough. First time they score a touchdown in the first quarter. First time they score off of a turnover. And the first time since Mac Jones' rookie season that he led a fourth quarter drive. I don't know that we should be putting our stock into Mac Jones beyond this one game. It's the only time this season they've scored more than 20 points. But it is impressive to see them do this against a Bills team that I don't frankly know what they are this year. Fire so three, the week in refing. How this spot for Pittsburgh turned into a game-ending first down? And how this ball was ruled to be catchable? Illegal contact and pass interference calls gift-wrapping Cleveland's win over Indianapolis. In that game, Deshaun Watson was re-injured but cleared to get back to play, but he didn't come back in. He was benched. Miles Garrett went maniac in this game, or he just went playing Miles Garrett because he's about the best defensive player we've seen this year. And look at that line. Courtney, is the story here Garrett? The refereeing or Deshaun Watson? Could be all of them, but for me, it's Miles Garrett. Nine tackles, two sacks, both of which caused a fumble. The first one ends up leading them tying the game. And the second one, they take the lead off of the uh, defensive touchdown. But how about that blocked field goal? Can you imagine that mammoth of an individual jumping across the line and getting a hand up there? This guy is my defensive player of the year by far. David Dennis Jr. Yeah, this is about Garrett, who's covering up a lot of deficiencies with that Browns uh, team. 17 points either came directly from him scoring or from turnovers that he caused. But otherwise, they still allowed all those points against the Colts and 450 yards with Minshew and needed a terrible pass interference call to win that game. Right, guys, solo. Sean Watson's contract is starting to drift towards being an albatross right now. He's injured all the time. 
But Miles Garrett, I'll tell you what, many years ago, Lawrence Taylor dominated a season. Ray Lewis has done it. Most recently, you had uh, the big man on the uh, Los Angeles Rams, Aaron Donald. I want to call him Sam Donald for a moment there. He dominated as well. Miles Garrett can do that. Seeing ghosts there, Frank Garcola. Bill Barnwell, last word. Miles Garrett was the best player on the field or any field this past Sunday. Browns defense, not not the best game, but still the best defense in football. For me, it was the referee. Because that's not a catchable ball. That was a good period. And I don't care. The the old line's not official. It's official enough for me. That was a bad spot in the other game. Thank you, Cordy Cronin. Thank you, David Dennis Jr. Frank Isola, Bill Barnwell. Showdown next. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Around the Horn is presented by Truly Hard Seltzer. Please drink responsibly. Part of Happy Hour. And in part by Marvel Spider-Man 2 for PlayStation 5 console. Rated T for team. Might Marvin Harrison Jr.'s stock be rising higher than Caleb Williams now? Weekend in college, Ohio State's statement win shutting down Penn State's <coughs> offense. Another USC loss, Caleb Williams flummoxed. And just another highlight from this college weekend. Uh, I, I went off to refereeing in, in the NFL before. The college, look at uh, Iowa's punt return here. This was a touchdown called back because they said he made a fair catch signal when he was pointing at teammates to get away from the loose ball. That's how the Hawkeyes lost to the Gophers. Frank, what's the headline from the college weekend? Yeah, bad call and an equally bad game. But Caleb Williams probably not going to win the Heisman in Utah for the second straight year. Probably ended USC's championship hopes. Mm -hmm. Bill? It's Marvin Harrison and what he did in that game against Penn State. He was always open. Penn State went zero for their first 15 third downs with no receivers. Yes, yeah, the Penn State offense is rough. Uh, Marvin had nothing to do with that specifically. James Franklin, 0-10. We'll split the point. Showdown two, Jonathan Allen of Washington. Does it get frustrating when the yes, it does. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of this bull. It's been seven years of the same. <laughs> tired. Of Bill, that type of rip job on your team is that warranted after a 14-7 loss? It is. This has been six, seven, eight years of failure on the offensive side of the ball. The defensive veterans in that room are tired. 
The guy's been there seven years. There's been two name changes. There's been so many losses. Now there's been new ownership. Come on, give him a break. He's allowed to talk like that in that moment. Frank Isola, 30 seconds of FaceTime. Wow. Jeff Prailer, the head coach of the University of Texas at San Antonio, instead of saying win one for the Gipper, decided to put a rat trap in everyone's locker with a piece of cheese in it. The cheese symbolically saying don't allow success to go to your head. Well, guess what? One of the players put that trap on his podium. He accidentally put his finger on it, and the head coach got his pinky stuck. Ouch. And the cheese stands alone. Yeah. We'll see you tomorrow.